Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. There aren't any skeletons in my closet, but there may be some ghosts. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Hot girl summer may be over, but I stay sweaty 365 days a year. <gasps> what is happening? I love hot girl summer. I love that my tagline did not make sense. There we go. Literally while saying it out loud, I was like, this is this is a moment. This is a thing that's happening. But you guys, it's Andy Scrolls. It's I think I just realized this. Of course, I planned it. I planned it out. This special celebration celebration. Words are hard. Celebratory celebration fun fusion episode. Episode 250 of Andy Scrolls. (laughs) Woo! <laughs> the studio audience goes wild. Yes, we're both applauding, but you can't hear it. Um, that is a bit. I just realized that while I was saying it out loud, that the number that follows two forty nine is two fifty. That is a big deal, right? Is that a big deal? Yeah. I feel like that's a big deal. Definitely. That's Definitely. a big deal. Wow. What do I get for the two hundred and fiftieth? anniversary i'm just gonna google right quick what the 25th anniversary symbol is i feel like it's gold you know how they do that no it's silver <gasps> silver no. no can we pretend it's gold gold is 50. oh my god i don't even ew it's silver mm. oh i don't know i mean i do like a metallic but i don't enjoy silver i'm not a silver i don't know what's better silver or white gold i'm really a neither 
I let's mm. think. Like white gold is right? like white gold is like fancier, but I sort of feel like why are you paying for white gold when it looks the same as silver? Amen. And also, you know what I just realized? Of course today is a metallic and it's silver. Because you know what I think of when I think of silver? Sparkle. You know what else a sparkle reminds me of? Ice. Ice. You know what else an ice icicle reminds me of is Oh my God, Salt Lake City. Maybe this was all destined. Maybe this is what people talk about when they talk about destiny, which I've never believed in aside from a certain cast member on Shaw's until this moment. Maybe it was all meant to, the timing aligned for Salt Lake City to, to return in time for the 250th episode of Andy's Girls. And I am so excited to have one of my favorite people, a spiritual OG of the AG at this point. You know him as the content manager of pop culture at Betches Media, host of the Pop Alarm podcast, and mention it all, creator of the iconic Bravo by Betches, and someone who, guys, I'm truly not fucking around when I say, I did think to myself, who do I want to talk about the Salt Lake City premiere with? And I'm not joking. I did not set a backup plan because there was only one person whose energy I wanted on the spiritual Zoom people's people's couch. It's none other than His Holiness Dylan Hafer. Dylan, how are you? I am great, Sarah. Thank you so much for inviting me. And you know, it's okay that you didn't have a backup plan because if I had said no, if I wasn't feeling generous with my time, you could <laughs> you could have just pulled a Mary Cosby and talked to yourself. Oh my God. You know, talking to myself is one of my favorite things to do. And we were talking about interior design before starting recording. Um, more to come on that note, guys. I'm like, very, I'm freaking out about what's about to happen. But I do now have a clothis. So I could have spoken to myself inside of my clothis for up to 50. You need to get some like styrofoam wig heads and just start speaking to them. Because, you know, Mary talks to the mannequins and I think that's beautiful. I do think that's a beautiful journey also, for her. I'm yeah. Tell me. Maybe Mary should start recording her podcast in the closet because, you know, that would kind of give it a nice little ambiance, like surrounded by all those things. And I feel like rather than focusing on you know Jesus or whatever was happening in that podcast episode, it would be really funny to just listen to her constantly be distracted by like. What what's that Chanel necklace? I haven't seen that in a minute. Look, ooh, I found the bag. Like, I would rather just see her like get excited about things in her closet than like speak more about the Lord. Um, I do have to say, "Blessed be the pod title" or something. Is the name of her podcast? This is Mary's podcast. What was the line that she well, said? She, it she was goes, like, well, what the welcome, fuck is welcome to Mary's podcast. But I will say, I just. <laughs> From doing a cursory look around the internet, it does not appear that this podcast exists in any okay, findable I format. Didn't look it up. Yeah, tell me, um, tell me, tell me. Well, I looked because I watched. I uh, you know was fortunate enough to receive a screener of the episode, so I've seen it now mm. three times. Once like three weeks ago, once last week, and once last night. So I feel like I'm well versed in uh, in this premiere. And I looked it up last week. The podcast was not on any platforms. And I saw a couple people like tweeting 
today that Mary's podcast is not findable online. So I don't, you know, I was wondering if maybe she would like drop it the night of the premiere or something, but it doesn't appear that that happened. Also, she recorded this like six months ago. So it's a little bit like, you know, it's giving very much uh, Monique's Not For Lazy Moms podcast, except for like with Mm. that, at least it existed. It just wasn't necessarily like happening regularly. Yeah, I wonder if it's some sort of godforsaken, maybe wrong use of the word in this context, but like subscription thing for her God endorsed subscription thing. Right? Where she's like, you guys are going to listen to this and it's going to cost you a million dollars because I need a new house. Oh, what if there's like, is there like a Christian version of Patreon that's called like. Christian? Disciple. (laughs) (laughs) disciple Disciple.com. And you like pay to. I mean, if there is, I'm open. Listen, right? Like, you gotta pay start, some bills. You could start recording like evangelical bonus episodes. <laughs> Would love to do it, honestly. Blessed be the whatever Amex, Visa, Mastercard, credit debt, whatever. However, you want to pay to pray with me, let's pray together. Like, honestly, like let's make. Blessed, blessed be, be Brooks braiding the holla. <laughs> <laughs> blessed be. Can, okay, wait. Die. There is. Dad, literally do you know how to braid so it? much <laughs> there is literally so much that I want to talk to you about uh we've talked about this offline I watched the premiere a couple episodes I actually reached out to Meredith Marks because I was like thank you on behalf of all Jews <laughs> for the mm-hmm. um Shabbat moment and also about some other stuff and she hadn't seen the premiere at that point and I was like, well, I, I assume this, what I watched will be uh, somewhere in line with what is going to um, be in the first episode. Uh, but I do have to say that nothing made my heart go pitter patter than seeing a unique Jewish experience not be shat on. I felt like, yeah, this is in like saying certain prayers your parents are going to forget. They're going to ask a child to start them so that we can all catch up. Like we're very much... Um, I don't know what I mean. We're very much like social Jews. Right. That's the the whole thing. So with being like a reformed Jew or, you know, everyone's Jewish identity is different. But I very much vibe. I mean, we never made holla. Are you kidding? Um, But I very much vibe with the whole like we forget what we're doing, but this is about being together and it done in a way that wasn't making fun of being Jewish. Right. It's not about like properly reciting the prayer. It's about like getting the no. people you care about together and doing something nice. And I I thought it was, you know, nice to include the Barlow family because obviously mm-hmm. they have that, you know, Jewish heritage also. Um, and I thought they did an excellent job of weaving in the drama at the Shabbat dinner in a way that didn't feel disrespectful. And then you think back to our, uh, our Shabbat on... Real Housewives of New York, and it's like, oh, so you can have, you can use a Shabbat dinner as, like, a plot device in a way that doesn't feel, like, extremely offensive. That's good to know. (laughs) I mean, it is one of those things, I wasn't expecting it, and when I watched the premiere, I just felt so much, um... I felt like Bravo doesn't deserve to be commended for showing this on the heels of what they haven't said about the Black Shabbat episode of New York. But if I put that aside, it's hard because it's like, I want to be like, thank you for showing the Jewish identity in such a way. But because 
literally there has been not a single acknowledgement of Ramona's behavior at Black Shabbat. It means less to me in terms of like from a network perspective because they so obviously don't care about us when we're upset or feel um, horrified or offended by what happened. But on a separate note, I do think the ways that Meredith and her family conducted themselves and Lisa and her family conducted themselves and the way that it was edited was genuinely delightful for me as a Jew to watch and as a content creator to want to discuss. Yeah, I I saw someone this going like off topic a little bit, I guess, but I saw someone go for it. Make the comparison of you know on last season of Atlanta when they had the Halloween party and Kenya wore the you know Native American headdress that mm-hmm. a lot of people took issue with, and very quickly she. You know, like the next day she posted an apology. It Bravo, I think, spoke out, you know, posted one of their, you know, white text on the black background situations that we've, you know, become accustomed to selectively. And that it was, it's interesting that when that happened, clearly somebody was like, okay, we need to say something. Kenya needs to say something. But like, I think a lot of people were offended by Ramona, you know, on multiple sides this whole season and Bravo clearly isn't like banging down her door to have her post a social media apology. They don't feel like they need to acknowledge it. And it's like, I, I mean, I think it's good that Kenya apologized. I think it's good that Bravo acknowledged it, but it's like, why are we applying this? You know, why are we applying this kind of like sensibility so selectively? And, you know, it doesn't seem great. It's not a great look to me that it's like, you know, this black woman was told to apologize right away, basically. And like Ramona did 45 things this season that would have been worthy of an apology. And it doesn't seem like anyone is like sliding into her DMs to say like, hey, can you uh, can you acknowledge this at least? <laughs> like, it's not happening. Yeah. And I feel like the difference is. Kenya's use of cultural appropriation um, people found offensive and she took responsibility for it I think nearly immediately the network responded I think in a comment on another on an account that they were apologetic they had some sort of sorry not sorry comment where they were like halfway taking responsibility which they then were able to twist online into saying they put out a statement which I don't believe they ever did I think that what they did was reply to another account's comment but regardless it was a lot more than the zero that they've given toward Ramona's disgusting behavior on Black Shabbat also noting that the whole thing with Black Shabbat the way it was edited the way it was pushed out was that her behavior was the entertainment piece of the plot. Kenya's cultural appropriative, I I use the word costume in quotes because it's not the whole point is that this, a person's culture is not a costume. Um, So I give side eye to the use of that word. Right. She wore it as a costume. Right. That wasn't the point of the episode. The network like quadruple down on Ramona's behavior they set it up in such a way as Mm -hmm. to ensure that she would behave that way that's also why she was present at that fortune society lunch they wanted to make sure she was there because they understand and are doubling down on her ignorance and it's it's like how would they even apologize when it seems like her misbehavior is an investment on their part I forgot they also 
they also in like the never before seen episode or like some re-airing literally they blurred out kenya's costume in yeah they, in that re- they edited it they, they re-edited, they re-edited it. it there were certain shots that they cut and then there were certain times when she was like arguing with portia or whoever and literally it was like you couldn't see kenya because they just made her blurry and it's like We've never gotten that same energy with like Luann's blackface costume. Like, mm. to I mean, that's like the classic example where it's like, I don't think the network has ever said anything. I don't think Luann has ever admitted that anything was wrong with that. And it's like, uh, I I mean, whatever. We <laughs> let's get back to Salt Lake because honestly, I'm like, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it's just like it shows the the best and worst that comes of um uh. Um, I don't know, a recognition or respect toward a different person's religion or culture or identity. And I just was really appreciative that we got to see this moment with Meredith, who's coming out of a very, very difficult time for her family with her father's passing and the reckoning of his existence prior to that. And she's doing it in such a way where she's paying respect to him while also reflecting her Jewish identity. And then you have somebody else there with their family who grew up Jewish and converted. I mean, there are three people, I want to say, on Salt Lake City who've converted, right? There's Lisa. Jen and else? Jenny. Jen and Jenny, right. So and then to Whitney, see, I mean, Whitney left the, the Mormon church also. Right. So it's like there's a lot of... Exactly. And you know, Heather has a really complex relationship with the Mormon mm-hmm. church. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole cast is really, um, you know, there's a lot of different backgrounds, both, you know, religious backgrounds, racial backgrounds, you know, like cultural, you know, there's just a lot of different stuff happening. And I think, you know, however Jenny turns out to be as a housewife, we'll see. I think it's way too soon to like, you know, kind of analyze her. But I Mm -hmm. mean, she has a background that is like very unique from what we have usually seen on Bravo shows. So I think just like the fact that in her first scene, they really like, you know, gave time to her explaining her experience Mm -hmm. and kind of breaking down the whole story of her life. I think right off the bat, I'm like, okay, like I want to know more about this person. And I'm glad that they have, you know, cast somebody with this background. Cause you know, we don't see a lot of like refugee housewives. Like it's not something that is, Mm -hmm you know, happening on every show. Yeah, it's so interesting when you think about the idea that after the Salt Lake City announcement, some people, myself included, were like, great, another cast of um, sort of knockoff, not like knockoff Beverly Hills-ish, but like this kind of like very elitist, very white. I was thinking it was going to be like blonde, I mean, no disrespect to the blondes, but like a very, it was going to be like a very blonde or spiritually blonde experience of a certain kind of woman times six in a certain kind of community. And to look at Salt Lake City and see how fucking diverse it is and also diversity in all ways, including in in the ways that some of these women communicate with each other. They're so diametrically opposite that it's just so fascinating but it's also a thrill because you really don't know what's going to happen yeah and I think they've done a good job casting this show that it's like it may not be necessarily like proportionally representative of what Salt Lake City is Mm -hmm. like but the thing that matters the most is 
finding a cast that is going to have, you know, layered, interesting, complex dynamics with each other and is going to give us an entertaining show. And so I feel like it's always like a little bit of a, you know, it's a tricky game that it's like you want the cast to like feel like they're representative of the place they're from, but also like that's not actually the thing that matters the most. And I think with with some shows, it's like, with like New York, it feels like they're stuck to this idea of like the Upper East Side women. And it's like, first of all, that's not real. Mm -hmm. Like nobody, that's not like a real thing in New York that much. And also it's like, it's it's hindering you. Whereas in Salt Lake, it feels like they've really taken the liberties to kind of like, find interesting people and like create an exciting cast and like especially going into the second season I feel like there's so many different like interpersonal dynamics to explore within this group and even in the premiere we get you know Meredith and Lisa and you know Lisa's friendship with Jen is causing issues with Meredith and Meredith is you know, becoming better friends with Whitney and Heather and Mary. And Mary is, like, such a wild card. And last season, because of Mary's, like, casting status, I don't know, we didn't really Mm -hmm. see her, like, in the mix with the group that much. But it seems like this year we're going to, and I'm really excited for that. Like, there are just a lot of different um, kind of avenues happening. And I think that is, like, the number one thing that a Housewives show needs to be you know, to sustain excitement is like, you have to have different angles. Yeah. And I think that what got so many of us in a tizzy obviously was Jen's shocking arrest as it happened in real time and all of us freaking out and realizing then that it was elements of the aftermath 12 minutes later, you know, after she left the aftermath of the police, FBI, helicopters, people showing up and knowing that those elements were going to be caught on camera were insane because now we've reached this new chapter of housewives history where like, yeah, you might be charged with a felony. And also your husband has maybe stolen $101 million from like burn victims. And so the stakes in real time are national news and could not be higher when it comes to, you know, Erica hasn't been charged with anything, but obviously the stakes involved with this and the, new $25 million bankruptcy suit and everything could not be higher. And on Salt Lake City, you have Jen, who's facing significant jail time for whatever has taken place with her quote-unquote company. But you also have genuinely significant stakes in the friendships that are taking place and some of which are falling apart. Like Beverly Hills, you have that with, I guess you could say like Crystal and Sutton, although Crystal's a new housewife and Sutton is a new full-time housewife. So while you feel the stakes, it we aren't as invested versus, I mean, it's like great, but you know, this isn't, yeah. that's not like the center, center diamond, shall we say, of conflict versus Salt Lake City where there are genuine stakes involved. Meredith and Lisa have been, very good friends for much longer than this show in its second season has taken place. You look at Heather and Jen Whitney's there. So there's like some Whitney Jen stuff, I guess Mary's also, thank God left her closet and in the space and taking part in all of this. 
there are real relationship conflicts that are taking place. Plus, we know the Jen stuff is looming. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. I think this premiere really... It was, like, reassuring to me because when when there's a season where something so massive happens while they're filming, of course you're excited to see that on camera. You're excited to see how that plays out. And, like, the first couple minutes of this premiere, which they released early last week, obviously are, like, mm-hmm. so explosive, so, you know, mind-blowing, duh, all of that. Yes, I can't wait to see, like, how that plays out in context in the season. But to then go back two months, the whole rest of the premiere, I was like, okay, like we've got, we've got a season like these, this cast has, they, they are going to bring it even before. I mean, the rest of them don't know that this gen stuff is on the horizon. So like, it's always interesting to think about the kind of like dramatic irony of, you know, these women are just going about their business, like filming season two of their, you know, hit reality show. And it seems like right off the bat, everybody is like really down to down to bring it this season. And I, I am just so thankful because you never quite know. You're like, when there's such a newsworthy event, it's like, okay, is the rest of the season Mm -hmm. just going to kind of feel like filler? And I, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm relieved because I don't think the jet, I think the arrest I feel like I heard someone say that it's probably going to be around like episode nine ish. Five? Oh, just kidding. Because it, okay, I mean, it. it's that two months sense. into filming. So really, you know. Yeah, that's true. So I think there's a lot of, you know, good stuff to dig into before that happens. And I'm excited because I think sometimes the biggest scandal is really exciting. But like you can get a lot more sort of interesting content out of just like the everyday back and forth. I completely agree, which I think is what is going to make this season so special. And I also have to say, you know, that a lot of people were curious about how Heather may change. There's this whole thing of the second season curse. And especially when it's a new franchise, which we haven't experienced in a while, but a new housewife comes in and they get so much public affection. How does that, potentially change their behavior on housewives when you know in your back pocket well a lot of people have my back and I thought that would maybe be my focus when I first watched the premiere but what I actually found my and as I rewatched this morning I was like you know what's actually so interesting to me is not necessarily the performative aspect for these women now knowing they're on a hit show as you said what's so interesting to me is the performance of Jen Shaw the performative nature of us now knowing she knew that she the feds were this whole federal investigation has been going on for I think as much as as long as a decade if I'm not incorrect and I could be totally wrong do you know how long it's been going on for it's a long time I think like 2000 13 maybe like several years okay and they're yeah 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 well and I think the most kind of you know the biggest red flag I would think from her perspective is that other people that were involved maybe not directly with her but that were involved in the same mm-hmm. larger scheme had have already been convicted of stuff so it's like even if she right. didn't know necessarily like the feds are now gonna arrest me any day she knew that, like, 
like she had to know that the whole situation wasn't like airtight, like that people were facing consequences <laughs> and that clearly like you would think you would un- you would think she would see that it's like okay, if six other people that I sort of worked with have all been charged with stuff, like chances are they're going to get to me sooner or later and you know, the buck is going to stop somewhere. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like seeing her give Lisa the tour of Shasha LA 2.0 mm. it's, and she's talking about like, you know, they had never seen so many bags and clothes and shoes and like, it was the hardest move they've ever done, which first of all, I feel like that's not like a, f- to me, that's like not a flex. It's like, if I, if I knew, <laughs> if I, if I hired a moving company and I knew that it was the worst move they had ever done, I would feel bad. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, <laughs> they had so much stuff to carry. They were like literally dying. Like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Get a U-Haul. Do some of it yourself. Spare those people. I mean, also as someone who literally does literally doesn't have a savings account but has a whole fucking lot of shoes – I would look at that stuff if I was Jen, who literally had an assistant start a GoFundMe to pledge $250 a person to help her pay for her legal costs, seeing what she has in her closet. I mean, I get why she, I guess, wouldn't have cash laying around since it wasn't hers and she wanted to like spend that shit as quickly as possible. But I wouldn't feel great knowing that. I mean, I've always made the joke that I'll like be the woman, young woman living in her shoes and if I was Jen showing off that closet being like, isn't it great how much stuff I have now knowing how many, at least hundreds of thousands, many hundreds of thousands of dollars I have to have to have in legal costs in my legal strategy, like usually rich people or rather wealthy people have some fucking art. Like you don't even, it's like a car's resale value. As much as I love my dresses and shoes, it's not like this is a genuine investment so that I can even make back the money I spent. Right. It's like you could sell it on, you know, Vestiaire, like Erica, you know, like Erica, yeah. you know, and you could make, <laughs> Until she you could, make, to. You could yeah. make back a little bit of money, but you're making back money yeah, yeah, to yeah. spend on like a different pair of shoes. You're not making money to like, Amen. that's not like a lifeboat to get you out of debt. And, you know, you can tell like the way that Erica and Tom lived like he was stealing money for them to be rich whereas I feel Mm -hmm. like Jen was stealing money so she could have the appearance of being rich because Mm -hmm. I mean like at the end of the day it's like the home is rented it doesn't seem like they have any kind of you know obviously she has a nice car you know they're probably least probably living comfortably but it's like it's, it literally feels like she is stealing this money to spend on, like, a Fendi puffer coat and a pair of Louboutins. And it's like, that's not actually, like, you know, you you have luxurious things, but it doesn't seem like she's really living, like, the full, true life of luxury that you might think somebody with that, like, type of situation going on would be living. Like, she doesn't have a million-dollar bank account. She's not vacationing in the Alps. Like... It's like people who are really like have that kind of wealth, they have a lot more than just like a bunch of handbags. That's not like 
that's not what really rich people i mean it's like i have like i buy a bag and that's like my big purchase but like if you're actually rich then like buying a chanel bag is just like something fun to have yeah i what is the whole thing like um rich talks wealth whispers it's, yeah money There's talks wealth whispers money talks yes I mean, this whole I mean, cast, this whole cast is like very like it's the same with Mary Cosby. It's like that closet is ridiculous. Like anybody who I feel like anybody who was like legitimately wealthy would be like horrified by the sight of that closet. Yeah, I mean, at least with Mary, she's taken that money and she's buying some fucking houses. The fact that Jen does not <laughs> she's own buying like she's buying like a weird property. suburban house in Florida. <laughs> Like, I don't know how many homes she has. Yeah, I mean, Erica and Tom was buying. I don't know how much Jen stole, I guess. I mean, yeah, how much she took, but where is it? I don't know if there's, like, a solid number, but I think it was in the millions that they said, like, maybe single-digit millions, millions, I feel like is what I've heard, which is a lot of money, but at the same time, if you're, you know, filling a room with, designer clothes five million dollars doesn't go as far as you know you're not buying multiple homes and cars and private planes with five million dollars if you're also buying like you know 25 handbags and you know like she's spending the money on like basic shit basically I don't know. Yeah, I think a part of it, too, is that it's, like, this massive fraud scheme. So it's not just Jen. I mean, Jen is, like, in this fun little pyramid scheme. It's, like, Jen plus a million other people. Right. Even if she's kind of, like, the orchestrator, and I'm sure she's pocketing a good chunk of the money, it's not just, like, 100% only going to her. Whereas, like, with with Tom Girardi, it's, like, whatever money he stole, he was just, like, taking. Right. Yeah, I don't it's it's an interesting process, I guess I would say, um to watch this unfold because obviously the editors are not going to do her a single favor. Oh, no. And even in her confessionals, I'm wondering some of these confessionals, I'm like when she's talking about the Shaw Chalet being rented so they're renting a new place, like when was that confessional filmed? So I would guess I I thought about this when I watched it before. They usually start doing some interviews pretty quickly into filming. Like definitely if they were filming for two months before she got indicted, I would, I would say pretty confidently that they would start filming confessionals before that. So it would make sense to me that they, for the first few episodes of the season, at least they probably got her interviews done pre arrest. Just just based on, like, the sense I get of how the timeline usually works. Because they're, I think they, they do the confessionals more in real time than people might think. And they also do a lot of pickups as they're editing. When there's, like, here's a hole, there's some questions that I need to ask because I need you to fill in the narrative. Def- I mean, she, of for sure, has been doing lots of confessionals since getting arrested. But, like, when she's explaining, like, here's our new house, that, I feel like, was probably done a few weeks into filming. I mean, it's just the narrative around this. The fact that we have this content of her describing 
the reunion on the reunion what she did and none of us understood it but i didn't think anything of it i just thought oh this is something having to do with technology so i'm gonna zone out for a little bit because yeah i'm not gonna understand marketing like in this way i'm just i just i'm like okay she's saying words and stringing them together and it doesn't make sense and the money super doesn't add up but if it has something to do with the internet <laughs> like my brain As Lisa went, like, Barlow okay. said, it's very lucrative it's very <laughs> I mean, that's like literally, I was like, all right, well, maybe I need Slipping to get into in. the internet, but maybe and, and, not. And like the Andy's just like, uh, hey, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's very because lucrative. Because we're just taking her at her word and we don't really need to know anything more about it in the sense that like, surely there are nuts and bolts that we don't get. But then Heather goes on watch... Oh, tell me. I don't understand anyone's job. Like, I don't know what anyone does. Uh, like, right. My, my title is content manager. That doesn't mean anything. Like... <laughs> My title is Fun Employed, and I know what that's all about. Uh, but then Heather goes on Watch What Happens, and Andy asks her a relatively innocuous question about, you know, like something along the lines of, like, did you know the ins and outs of Jen's job? And Heather goes straight into a question that certainly surprised the fuck out of Andy, as well as most of us, and says... Yeah, I knew it wasn't great. I knew it was unsavory. I knew that it was crossing the line into whether or not this may or may not be legal. I just decided to like her anyway. What? That Okay, the thing for me, I, I'm like nervous about Heather's whole thing this year because it would be one thing if pre-arrest charges, indictment, all of that... If you were like, eh, like her business sounds like kind of scammy, but like it's whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't impact me. So like, I'm not going to be like, you know, like I could see being like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't really get what my friend does. Like, I don't know how legit it is, but whatever. But if you already had those thoughts and then she gets charged for fraud, why isn't your instinct to get as far away from that person as possible? Like, because I feel like there are some people who would be very like, you know, Lisa Rinna, where they're like, I don't think she knew any, like, I don't believe it. Like, that's my friend. I know her. I don't believe it. And as much as I think that's like a shitty, you know, way of thinking about it, I get it. Whereas like with, with Heather saying that, I'm like, then why are you, like, standing by her? Like, if you knew that it was bad before and now you have this, like, sort of confirmation that it was, like, illegal, I don't think Heather's, like, I don't believe the charges. I believe Jen's innocent. So it's, like, why are you standing by her then? I mean, if you knew all along that something was incredibly suspicious, obviously she didn't know the ins and outs and probably, the I'm sure, the people that were affected by it, the victims of this, this, the simple fact that it wasn't a surprise is not a great response. Exactly right. as you said, you would think the instinct would be separating, especially when they give you an out. When she gives you the out by treating you like shit multiple times and you know all of this. You know, Sarah, I just, I love that friendship juice. Jen gives me the juice. She gives me the juice. I get drunk on the juice. That was one of the best lines of the episode. That's not a juice. That's a choice. Like, Mary, I'm here for. I'm here for Mary's confessionals. That's what I'm saying, that this season, we get to see Mary, like, actually having opinions on things and actually being present for these situations. And as much as I think Mary is, like, a nut job of a person and just completely, like, 
some screws are loose, you know, like I don't know exactly what is hap- what her deal is. I think she has like very valuable commentary on situations. And in that moment, I'm like, is Mary kind of a voice of reason in this cast? And I feel like I wouldn't say she's a voice of reason in terms of like how the world actually works. But I think Mm -hmm. in terms of having like less, she's like less biased than anyone else in the group because she's like, well, I don't fuck with Jen, but also like, I don't, she like doesn't know Heather that well. And like Lisa's annoying. And like, you know, I feel like she just would kind of say exactly what she's feeling about anything, regardless of who it is. And so it's like, yeah, call Heather out because that's like dumb. It's like, get over it. Mary went on a watch what happens this weekend. I'm sorry, not watch what happens on Instagram live this weekend to promote the premiere episode was given a completely innocuous question, like very easy to answer of what was your favorite outfit, least favorite. And her response in real time was, I truly don't care enough. I didn't like this season. So my outfits didn't matter. I mean, that is like legendary because she doesn't, she doesn't get it. She doesn't want to get it. And she doesn't feel like she needs to play the game. I was just, I literally was thinking she, she's never going to play the game because I don't think she, I don't think she really knows that it is a game. The way where, yeah. like, you know, you see Whitney getting her boobs done before the reunion last season, and now she's, like, rebranding mm-hmm. her skincare so it matches her, like, Wild Rose Name. thing. And, like, you mm-hmm. know, Heather, God lover, is, like, shilling Beauty Lab any chance she gets. And, like, you know, Jen has the Shaw Squad and, like, all of this stuff. And she's, like, you know, justice for Jen on Instagram. Like, all of these women are working the hell out of this platform. And then you have Mary recording a podcast that is all would already be so niche. And then it doesn't even, it's not even available to listen to anywhere. And it's like, oh, you truly don't care in a, in a way that is like kind of very pure, <laughs> but also like, <laughs> I don't think anything about Mary Cosby is pure. So I don't want to like, I don't want to like praise her because I think she's like, deep down not a good person but it's it is a little bit refreshing to see somebody in 2021 with so little notion of like how to use this platform and it's like sometimes it's nice to just watch somebody in front of a camera not knowing what the deal is yeah and we're gonna get snippets into the season of talking about her church and all of the rumors around it and and a former parishioner or somebody meeting with Lisa Barlow to discuss it and I'm curious how I cannot wait I mean yeah and I'm curious how she's if Jen is gonna do justice for Jen I'm curious how Mary is gonna respond if she's gonna be like sympathy for me or just total anger or frustration or what because I don't think she's gonna care enough or understand that she could use the platform of the show as a as a strategy to amplify her defense or denial. Right. And I think I just like, we don't really see anyone anymore who is not super aware of the Mm -hmm. game. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit Denise Richards was like that, where it was like everybody else on that show is like so strategic. And I think she was just kind of like, why, why is everyone like, why is I don't, I don't, you know, like, why is this happening? And it's like, you were like, you know, everybody else was like two steps ahead in the chess game and you were kind of just like hanging out. 
but I mean, Denise at least caught up enough to notice and some cease and desist to get people to shut the fuck up on camera. I don't even think Mary would consider that. I feel like Denise under, like, she is used to playing the game in, like, a larger celebrity sense, but I think she wasn't quite ready Mm. for the way it was going to come at her on the show. Whereas, like, Mary, I think, Mm -hmm. is just truly living in a bubble of, you know, faith, what's it called, Pentecostal. Mary Rosemary Cosby and Jesus. <laughs> I mean, and look at what Erica's doing, where she's saying in uh, something that's sort of a subversion of Denise's reaction response. Denise was like, "We're not talking about this on camera. This person doesn't have anything to do with the show." And Erica's reaction is, "I have everything to do with the show, but don't you dare discuss this on camera." <sighs> yeah, I, I like. I guess we probably only have a few episodes left of Beverly Hills. So I'm like, Mm. I, it's sad, but at the same time, I feel like I am ready to get to the reunion because I, I sort of feel like we know where everyone stands in terms of the show right now. And I'm really curious to see Mm -hmm. in the last, you know, six months, however long, what changes have happened. There have been like, you know, rumors and reports that Erica is like, not good with Kyle and Dorit right now because they haven't been supportive enough. And I'm curious to see at the reunion, like if that seems to be the case or if it really is still like, you know, Fox force five bullshit happening. But um, like, I, I still am enjoying, I'm enjoying the episodes a lot, but it's like, okay. So like, we know that it's, you know, Sutton and Garcelle and whoever, and it's like the, the alliances have Mm -hmm. kind of been solidified. And so I'm, I'm curious to see, I'm I'm like really looking forward to that reunion just because I feel like we need an update because, you know, so much has happened in real time. Yeah. And just watching the journey begin with Salt Lake City, when it comes to selective silence or like cognitive dissonance or whatever you want to call it, it is fascinating to watch Meredith in real time and in confessionals try to hold Lisa accountable for refusing to acknowledge the reality of what Jen is doing with her son. And again, Heather goes and watch what happens is like, I would never, uh, but it's the, the disconnect of, I would never be friends with somebody who talks about my child that way. And yet you are watching somebody talk about somebody else's child. So isn't this another warning bell that this person should, if they could say that about Brooks, what could they say about your kids? But regardless, the Lisa Meredith of it all is so interesting because Meredith is truly being pretty open with her anger about the fact that it's not even about our friendship that you're betraying. You're betraying my son. Yeah. And I think like Meredith is being very clear that to start any kind of reconciliation, Jen must apologize to her family. And (laughs) you know, my, (laughs) I love the way she says family. Um, But Lisa, I think, is approaching it. You know, she says that she's not choosing Jen over Meredith, but it feels like Lisa is approaching this conversation at Shabbat like she's like an outside party serving as a mediator between these two Mm. women. And I think I, I understand in like a housewives context that it makes sense for her to kind of try and broker a peace deal here. But I think she is like 
missing the mark with Meredith a little, missing the marks with Meredith, because (laughs) I think Meredith would be a lot more, I think she would be a lot more like amenable to what Lisa is saying if Lisa wasn't presenting it like, how, how quickly can I get you to forgive Jen? Because like, I think if Lisa was saying like, I'm a hundred percent on your side, like what Jen did was really fucked up and like all those comments and stuff. So like, if I got her to apologize to you, like, where do you think that would leave us? But I feel like she's approaching it. Like she's, you know, walking into like a negotiation and she's like, okay, so I have Jen outside right now. If she says, sorry, like, are we good? And Meredith needs a little more support. I think she needs a little stronger support from Lisa because right now it's very like cut and dry. Lisa's trying to play the middle and it's like, there's a little bit more damage done there. And if you are really going to ride for Meredith, you need to make that a little more clear because right now it feels a little murky. Well, at the most basic level, Lisa is refusing to even acknowledge what Jen is continuing to do online. And because Jen isn't being held accountable by Lisa, she is able to double down. Like to say to someone for Meredith to say to Lisa, I have screenshots of what Jen is doing and I want you to see them. And for Lisa to say, I don't want to see them because I don't want to know the truth, which would make me being Switzerland all the more difficult. That is a shitty thing for a friend to to not you cannot be in the middle if you're unwilling to acknowledge or mediate if you're unwilling to acknowledge how low this has gotten. Right. And it's like she's trying to maintain this plausible deniability of not knowing Mm -hmm. the extent of what Jen has said. But it's like you don't really have plausible deniability if Meredith herself is like, do you want to know how bad Jen is? And Lisa's like. No, like, I don't like, like turning down, seeing the evidence doesn't mean that you don't know it exists. So it's like she already, to me, is past the point of pretending she doesn't know just because she hasn't seen the specific comments. She knows her friend Meredith and Meredith would not be so adamant about this if there wasn't some bad shit in there. And, you know, I love Mm -hmm. Meredith, like definitely thinks twink is like a slur (laughs) she's like she liked she did say it was homophobic she liked several homophobic posts about brooks including one that called him a twink which is so funny because it's like i mean like yeah it's it's like not it's not like nice the whole like sentiment but it's like the word twink Mm -hmm. isn't actually homophobic but i uh, you know uh I, I love, I love Meredith. I am like, so I was, I liked Meredith a lot season one. I just am very into her vibe. I think she is like, I, I just think I love the energy she brings to this whole, you know, charade of being a housewife. But I think mm-hmm. already in season two, I'm like, oh, I feel like you're really dialed in. I, I like that stuff with Seth seems better. So she is maybe like a little more present with the with the yeah. women in the group um but yeah i feel like meredith especially knowing that she is going to be less team jen post arrest i i see mm-hmm. her having a really strong season cuz i think she it seems like she she just like has a backbone which 
is nice to see sometimes. Totally. And I think with the Brooke stuff, I mean, for her to say, which is something that I truly hadn't considered prior, that it's Brooks hasn't come out. He hasn't discussed with her truly his sexuality in any way. So for Jen to say these things, which are supposed to be diminishing, which to Meredith and maybe to Brooks, that maybe that's the when she's saying that these things are homophobic. That's how she's feeling about the impact of how they've landed for Brooks, someone who hasn't privately to her come out nor nor really had an intense or in-depth discussion about his sexuality for Jen to go that extra step, maybe knowing that and saying these things about someone's child who hasn't come out to his family, if that is what he decides to do, that is like incredibly shitty. I mean, going back to last season, the, you know, when Brooks allegedly saw her Vagina. vagina in that clip, they show she's like grinder, grinder. Like she's trying to make him uncomfortable And then, like, in the interview clip they show where she's, like, joking about him never seeing a vagina, it's, like, all of that stuff, it's just, like, so unnecessary. And if you're, like, if you're claiming to have any interest in being friends with Meredith, it's, like, cut it out. Like, what what do you think you're doing? What are you trying to do? Like, what is, truly, what is the point? Because Jen... There is no way Jen doesn't know that that's going to bother Meredith. And so if you're saying, if what you're saying is you want Meredith to like you again, or you want, you know, to get back in Meredith's good graces, it's like, okay, well, the the first step is that you need to fucking stop it. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. And there's the defense of saying, well, Jen felt uncomfortable about what he said, but I mean, like as, as someone who has certain bodily, <laughs> you know, pieces, pods and pieces. I, I mean, did she not have underwear on? Like, did he literally see her vagina when she was throwing her legs back? Like it is possible. That would make me very uncomfortable. If my mom's friend was over, wasn't wearing underwear and was throwing her legs in the air, not so anybody could see something, but that is what happened yeah I would be uncomfortable and a little freaked out and leave shortly thereafter I don't think he was body shaming her in any way I get if other people have a different reaction I saw other accounts posting about it I and, and they have every right to say that I was just like I thought it was weird if she wasn't wearing underwear. This is a different experience than like Pantygate. This is her throwing her legs in the air. I'm not body shaming her at all. I'm just saying like there is someone's child in the room and you're doing this like circus act to perform in the moment, not meaning to do this. But if it happened, it doesn't mean this person hates women or is making fun of your body they're just acknowledging what took place and how fucking uncomfortable it was like asking somebody to like kindly put their genitals away is not body shaming right you know what i don't want to see you know what is body shame i'm sorry i don't want to you know what is body shaming calling somebody wide everything calling somebody wide-bodied three times in a row Um, you came in with your wide-bodied ass uh, listen, I haven't seen the Potomac After Show, but I saw some headline of it, which is Candace said, like, I like to diversify my insults. It wasn't body shaming. I think it's this very special kind of 
horrible asshole behavior. And we, I got into this in, in depth on the last AG, but for Candace to say, I apologize for body shaming, but just so you know, I wasn't body shaming you. And when I talk about your wide body, it has nothing to do with the fact that I thought your body was wide is the most ludicrous, insulting, non-apology gaslight that Candace could deliver. And that's a long list. It's like the least convincing form of gaslighting someone when you're like, it's like two minutes later and it's like, no, like, (laughs) well, it's one of those things where like, I feel like we are more aware now than ever that like sometimes the intent of what you were saying matters less Mm -hmm. than the impact. And like, so in that sense, it's like whether Candace intended to body shame, clearly the comment was delivered in a way that felt body shamey. But then it's like, I feel like even that is giving her too much credit because it's like the intent of the comment was to body shame. Like, was to body even shame. If, right. The intent and the impact are the same in this. And it's like, even if Candace just thought it was something funny to say and she didn't, she doesn't really, you know, think that Ashley has a terrible body or whatever. The comment itself was body shaming. Like, I feel like we can confidently say that <laughs> remarking on somebody's body in that manner is body shaming and so it's like I it was like frustrating because like Candace has had such a good first half of the season you know I thought Mm. the way she handled Ashley in Williamsburg was like really great because it was kind of like calling her out properly in a way that was like yeah like you're actually the one making sense right now and Ashley is the one who looks messy but at this party it's just like Candace just can't can't keep it together and the way I don't know her whole dynamic with Chris right now is just like a little hard to watch I mean she's being disingenuous she's being disingenuous in that half-assed apology that she doesn't even believe but she's she refuses it would have been so easy for anybody else in that moment to be like you know what I shouldn't have said it and I'm sorry but she can't even go that far it's like narcissism and broken bird syndrome and everything else and also the fact that she takes delight in doing it and she doesn't want to admit that it's bad because that might mean that she might have to change her behavior and the thing that she likes to do to make someone feel bad might no longer be a viable option or publicly available for her to do and from I haven't seen the after show yet but it seems likely that she doubles down on this and it's just gross she knows what it is she knows enough to call it body shaming she gets that what she's doing is shaming someone's body and in doing so fat shaming she's saying wide body as an insult a wide body is not good and I'm gonna make fun of you for it and I'm gonna make fun of you for it Also, because I know that you're a new mom and the fact that you gained weight because of giving birth to a child, you need to be punished for that. I want you to make I want you to feel bad about the way that you look. And the fact that she won't change that behavior is one of the most it's one of the grossest aspects on a pretty long list of the ways that she weaponizes other people's uh not weaknesses it's not a weakness like but vulnerabilities the yeah thinks, vulnerabilities the way that a woman thinks of a person thinks of themselves and thinks of their body which is so closely associated with 
most people's identities and the paths that we go on in life. And she wants you to feel bad about the body that holds you together. Your identity as a person, the weight of your skin. She wants you to feel bad about it. She's going to double down. She's going to make it into a joke on the after show. And I guarantee you on the fucking reunion, she's going to talk about how she's great with words. She says it on social. She doesn't care about the damage that she does because she's going to say that Ashley has done bad stuff too. And it just shows you what a piece of shit Candace can be if she tries enough. And the thing is, it's effortless. I don't know what else to say about it, aside from the fact that it's never going to end. So we can continue talking about it and calling it out, or we can just continue talking about it and calling it out because it's like an important discussion. But also acknowledge the fact that she has no interest in being held accountable and she'll weaponize you for trying it. What did you think of at, uh, at Mia's goddess party? Loved it. Love the sandwiches, by the way, which is such a wild food choice at a goddess party to do a big fucking ciabatta sandwich on a fucking baguette. But yeah, continue. What did you think about this sort of truce, maybe apology moment between Karen and Giselle? Because I felt like it, it, I don't know, it almost felt like a little bit out of nowhere that like Giselle did get like a little more open about you know, she said that she knew about the Jamal cheating stuff prior to the reunion and that it really did hurt her and her daughters. But like, it it felt like Karen switched so quickly from being like, well, you brought a fake relationship to the show and like, blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, like, I don't have any words for you. And then like, all of a sudden... It was almost like somebody like tapped her on the shoulder and was like, okay, go. And she's like, she's like, but if I hurt your daughters, I apologize for that. I, and I don't know. I like, I, I want Karen and Giselle to get back to the place of like being like frenemies who can kind of playfully Mm -hmm. go at each other. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I almost, this feels a little weird to me and like, it's not, it doesn't feel like there's like real resolution happening here. I don't know if we're ever going to get real resolution because I don't know that either of these women are interested in it. And I think yeah. that the surface was like the goal. And I think it also was environment. I think it was the an environmental impact of the fact that they were in flowy Grecian goddess outfits at a ladies lunch. And it probably didn't feel um, uh, you know, the vibe in the air was maybe one where if I don't, if I don't move toward resolution, I'm going to look bad. I do think there's something to say for Giselle saying my daughters were hurt. And you counter that with like, or not counter, you compare it with uh, Karen saying my kids were hurt. And like one of these, I believe (laughs) one of these, I don't. Raven does not give a fuck. Raven doesn't care. She doesn't care. I'm sure Ray doesn't care. It matters that Karen cares But I think it really matters that Giselle's high school or junior high age children were hurt by this. And, you know, you can argue, well, Jamal maybe shouldn't be cheating on their mom and like having, you know, church babies or whatever. Talk about giving a sacrament or whatever that's called. Something was 
something was exchanged. Um, you know, you can, and apologies to all the religious AGs listening, but um, it's humor. You can talk about, uh, you know, who's really to blame for that. But of course, Karen's making this into a joke on camera to punish their mom. I think that, of course, I'm sure that had an effect. Uh, so like, like you were saying, I believe that Giselle's girls were much more impacted than Karen's kids. But I also Mm -hmm. think it's sometimes we, because we're analyzing like what these women are saying now, we lose sight of the Mm -hmm. fact that Karen's whole issue with Giselle about this is based on like a bad faith recollection of what she said, which is not actually what she said, that it's like Karen's whole insistence that Giselle wished death upon Ray is literally not something that happened. Like, and that's frustrated me this whole time because it's like, obviously like on these shows, you know, there are like people take things the wrong way and they're like misunderstandings and that's part of it. And that's like, you know, makes for great TV, but it's like, Karen enough. Like at a certain point, it's like, that's not what Giselle said. Everybody knows that's not what Giselle said. And so to watch it like carrying on, it's like, I love Karen, but it's like, I, I can't like bring it. I can't find it within me to as messy as Giselle is. I'm like, I don't, Karen doesn't have a leg to stand on in this argument. I think because it's like, that's not what she, like you are, you're holding over her an apology for something that she literally did not say. There are some, I'm trying to think in my head, some examples of like somebody weaponizing friendship in a way where they're pissed and they want to be pissed and they start to believe it. Like I truly think Karen believes that Giselle said this and she may or may not remember the five or seven times that Giselle has apologized since. So when Karen says, I just want one apology, she means like one in addition to the previous six. I'm trying to think of some examples. Like in my head, I'm thinking of two, one Teresa with the Jacqueline stuff and camp where it's like you are discussing the thing that everybody in the country is talking about with the allegations of fraud or whatever and twisting that into her really believing that Jacqueline is a bad friend. And for some reason I'm thinking about Jill and please tell me to shut the fuck up because this could be entirely wrong, but it just feels like the energy is some is similar with like Jill and Bethany when Jill saying like, you didn't even support me when Bobby had cancer and Bethany's response was like you never told me but Jill believes so strongly that her friend is not being supportive she's forgotten that she didn't tell her friend that thing that could enable that friend to show support like there is a little piece of a I'm pissed and I'm upset and there's I I I just watched the the Vanderpump Rules premiere for the new season and it's <gasps> did you? It's very like that same sort of situation happens with Sheena and Lala, which I think they've talked about publicly. Where it's like when Sheena had a miscarriage, their issue arose oh, because Sheena was like Lala wasn't there for me, and Lala mm. was like, "You said you were fine. I'm not a mind reader." Mm. And Sheena's mm-hmm. like, "You should have been there." And Lala's like, "I asked if you wanted me to come, and you said no." Like. So it's like that kind of thing where like that definitely happens. And I think that is more understandable to me. But in this situation, it's just like, can someone like roll the footage 
for Karen of what Giselle actually said four mm-hmm. years ago because like maybe it wasn't the nicest comment ever, but it's truly just like was not that deep. And, you know, I think Giselle has, you know, kind of made some poor decisions this season too, but it's like, we've got to, we've got to find something else. You know, it's just, it's frustrating. And like, I want them to fight about something else. Like, I don't necessarily want them to make up and be friends forever, but it's like, find something different, find something new. Do you think, what do you think is going to happen? I know this is like maybe too far ahead, but on the reunion or in the rest of the season, because they both double down on just despising, wanting to reflect uh, despising each other on social and media interviews recently. I don't, I think it might depend a lot on what happens with Giselle and Wendy in the next few weeks, because... Mm. I think that has become, you know, now that Karen and Giselle seem to be like, you know, maybe, you know, at a stalemate, as Ashley said, I guess, like, I think the, mm-hmm. the, the sort of most active volcano within the group is how Wendy feels about Giselle. Because even when you see when Giselle is showing up at the goddess party, when Wendy looks like she would love to like drop kick Giselle into the water. And it's like, I feel like that is that dynamic has been like a little bit on the back burner for the last couple episodes, but I think there's like another wave coming. Um, Mm -hmm. And even like when the, like when Robin is like complimenting Wendy on how she, you know, cares for her family and Wendy is like, twisting that into like if you think I have a lovely family then how could you possibly be friends with Giselle who you know is attacking my family and I think that's something where like Wendy is really not she's not over it and it's not even like simmered down yet I think it's like bubbling right under the surface and I think that's going to come out and I think Karen is probably not going to agree with how Giselle handles that and I think that's prob that seems like the logical way that they're going to kind of end up fighting again. Um, I completely agree. And I also think when it comes to intent and impact, you know, Giselle's defense is I wasn't actively trying to harm your family. So you need to like chill. And Wendy's response is you may not. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to hear you on the intent, but the impact is still the same that talking about this on camera and using it as a plot point and weaponizing the choices that I've made about, um, adjustments or how I want to change my body, doing that all together through the lens of like, cause you're, there are rumors about my husband are going to damage right. me regardless of whether or not you actually believed it. Right. You it, know? I don't think it was a direct attack, but it was a form of mm-hmm. messiness that caused harm. And like, I think, I think Giselle is undeniably like a great housewives character. Like I think she's brought us so much over the years, but I think maybe this season more than in the past, it's a little bit like you you need to like reel it in 25% of the time because like I think it's just it it is it's a tough look to always be the one that's like causing problems and kind of like you know pouring gasoline on the fire and then like trying to run away it's like sooner or later that's going to bite you in the ass and I think 
you know, it seems like from the vibes I get on social media and stuff, like people are kind of less team Giselle than they've been in the past, maybe because it's so mm. apparent kind of her tactics, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still like Giselle a lot as like a housewives figure, but I definitely am kind of like, it's a lot. I'm so appreciative of Giselle as a housewife. I think she's also so fucking funny and smart. She is. On other projects. Yeah. It's just, it's the same thing over and over. But I still love her. I love her as a housewife, even if I disagree with what she's doing. It's, it does just so happen that her, she does this one thing. She does it very well, but she just, we've come to almost expect it a little bit. It's a little, ti- it's a little tired, but I yeah. still love her. I really genuinely think she's an amazing housewife. And I think this season, because of the stuff that happened with Jamal, it's been more her. So she's always kind of gotten away with not talking a lot about her personal life. It's like, she's showed us like Sherman and whoever that she's like sort of dating, <laughs> but it's never the main storyline of the season has never really been her issues. And I think this season, knowing that she had this relationship with Jamal that went wrong and that he cheated on her, it's like, can, can we talk about that more? Like, I'd like to, I'd like to revisit that. And I think the women in the cast feel the same way. And that it's like in the past, maybe she didn't have that much going on in her personal life, but this year it's like, no, no, that should be a focus. Like I would like to know more. And so you know, her not talking about herself feels a little bit more uh, like a glaring omission versus just like, uh, eh, mm-hmm. there wasn't that much going on to talk about. Completely agree. And also, so, you know, Candace brings to light, which was a good point. You know, Giselle never discusses when something hurts her feelings. Her guard is always up. So the fact that she was vulnerable was significant, yeah. which I agree with. I also, I don't mean this in any kind of shady way. I genuinely am. I, I find myself very confused about the number of times that Jamal has stepped out and the number of children that have maybe he has fathered while in a relationship with Giselle during their marriage or since. So her admitting that she knew he cheated on her was from the most recent from the past two years. Right. Yeah, I mean... And is that... Uh, did the child result from that? I don't think we know about the child situation. Like, I honestly okay. have, like... Got it. I've divested from keeping up with Jamal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, amen. Because it's like... Amen, I mean, y- y- you... If you, it's, an, it's a bottomless pit of trash, you know, like... Potential children, mm-hmm. potential mistresses, you know, who, in which state he was, mm-hmm. where and when. Like, to be honest, I don't really give a shit. Like... I I feel like I I get very invested in like things as it pertains to housewives but like at this point for watching Potomac it's like I don't need to know how many kids just Jamal has like yeah yeah, yeah. I'm focused on like the the damage he's left behind um mm-hmm. and so I think for you know for Karen to acknowledge that there was pain caused because it was always, it felt like such a gleeful thing for her to be, mm-hmm. you know, dragging Giselle's relationship with Jamal. And so I think for mm-hmm. her to just acknowledge that maybe there was pain, even if she's saying it in kind of like a, if there was, I don't know, like maybe somebody was hurt. You know, I think that is a step in the right direction because in the past, it's always been like a <laughs> Giselle can't keep a man. Like, 
So mm. just for the tone to shift a little bit and how she's talking about that, I think is, you know, meaningful. But we'll see. I, I don't I don't think that means she's like never going to make a comment about Jamal again. A hundred percent. And speaking of all things potential reunion related. So Beverly Hills was filmed this weekend. Yes. And apparently it, it ran long. But after the fact, you know, Andy posted some IG stories and Erica was in the background being like, the reunion is so good. It's so good. To which I got a little concerned because if Erica thinks it's good, I don't know how I'm going to feel about the content. What are your thoughts about um, what you're expecting? I know we talked about this a little, but I'm just curious for a little bit more. I would say I am <clears throat> sorry, a little get a little choked up. Um, <laughs> I feel like with reunions these days, when they're happening in real time, I like always try to keep my expectations pretty mediocre because I just feel okay. like I don't know if it's like necessarily an Andy problem. I think it certainly might be. Um, I don't. <laughs> Your voice right now. <laughs> I don't feel like I don't feel like Bravo reunions necessarily like go hard the way they used to. And I think when they do, mm. it's often because like one or two members of the cast have really like committed to bringing it like, so I don't feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I have very little faith in Andy. I'll just say to like, give us what we want. Re holding Erica's feet to the fire. So like, I Mm -hmm. am hopeful that the women really are like in it to win it. And I think like Sutton has an excellent opportunity to give us some like unforgettable moments. I would love to see like some pressure applied to Lisa Rinna in a way that maybe hasn't been before. I think there is potential for like a really stellar reunion, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, we'll see. I'm not like, I'm not counting on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I also feel like there was a moment, was it a moment in the this Instagram live that, that was done in two parts with um, the cast of Potomac and uh, individual housewives from other franchises, Salt Lake and, and Beverly Hills, where Crystal said in response to a question of, um, you know, which housewife are you currently closest to? Am I pulling this out of my ass? I, I didn't, I only watched, I only, I only watched Jen and Giselle's portion. Oh, okay. Which was extraordinary. Giselle was honestly extraordinary. It was like chef's kiss. Magnificent. And shout out P.S. to Donald from Bravo Social who did a phenomenal job. Um, We love Donald. Um, But when it came to Crystal's response, I think her response was like something along the lines of like, I can't tell you that answer because who I'm closest to now because it would give too much away. It'll be revealed on the reunion. I assume that that means that her answer would be Sutton. But I don't know if that's right. As you were saying that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I think um, we had Crystal on my podcast, mention it all, go check it out, mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe like a month ago at this point. And we got into the Sutton stuff a little bit because I felt like when I was watching it, um, Harry's Bolognese lunch, ugly leather pants day, mm-hmm was obviously, like, sort of the, you know, 
pin the peak of you know Sutton and Crystal's drama with each other, and then pretty quickly after that, um, that was when they took the four week break from filming because of the positive COVID mm-hmm. tests. And then right after that, they went to La Quinta. And if you recall, when they were in La Quinta, Sutton and Crystal like didn't have issues. It was very much the focus mm-hmm. had shifted. You know, you, there wasn't really even tension between them. It's not just like we have bigger fish to fry. It's like they're not fighting anymore. So I asked her about that. And she was like, she said that um, after the ugly leather pants thing, um, and when they had the shutdown, they basically like called each other and had a long conversation and pretty much agreed like, okay, like we're gonna, we're not going to bring it up anymore when we're filming. And like, when we say that we really mean it, like we're not, it's not going to happen. And that since then they really were like working on building a relationship with each other and it seems like that actually has stuck. Like, I don't know if they are, like, besties or anything, but, like, I feel like Sutton and Crystal have genuinely put their issues behind them in a way that, like, we don't see very often because usually there's some, like, pettiness lingering or, you know, resentment. But I feel like they were able to actually, like, put that issue to rest and, like, really start from square one in a way that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I I do wonder, you know, now they're back filming, the pause is done, the dinner from hell, um, still Helen has taken a, has taken place and Crystal was very expressively supportive of Erica's response to, um, Sutton in a way that made me think you know it's this whole thing of like forgive and forget people always think that forgetting is possible and it's literally not so I wonder how much of her defense of Erica was based on the information that she knew at the time but also a little bit of a window into the you know Sutton was asking for it and I know from her behavior in the past that x y and z she's done certain things that have pissed me off So I'm going to join this train. I think there might also be an element of, you know, Crystal really didn't know any of these women aside from Kathy before she started filming, which at this point is like, you Mm -hmm. know, three months ago with a month where they weren't filming. Um, So I feel like she maybe is still in a little bit of a place of like, none of these women have done anything to me. So like, I'm going to kind of, give everyone equal opportunity shot at friendship type of thing. And I, I feel like Crystal is mm-hmm. sort of that type of person where it's like, I mean, that sound like whatever Tom had going on sounded bad, but like, I don't have any reason to dislike Erica. And I think maybe Sutton, I think they have been working on their relationship, but like Sutton is kind of the only person in this cast who has had an issue with Crystal directly. So, like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me if if Crystal, if more than anything, Crystal is just kind of like, I don't know, Erica has been nice to me. So, like, I'm not, I don't have a reason to, like, drag her. 
Yeah, I think it's sort of sort of what Lisa Rinna is trying to do, but at a much different percentage. Right. Like the idea of like, we really don't know. We don't know what's going on. I only know so much information at the time of filming. And also Sutton's the only person that I've had conflict with. So put all of those pieces right. together and this is the result. Like Crystal's, Crystal's relationships with the group are much less loaded than anyone else's because there's just less history. Yes. There's less baggage. Um, whereas... I mean, honestly, with Lisa Rinna, it's kind of strange to think about the fact that Sutton came on the show as Lisa's friend. So it's like, I mean, obviously Lisa and Erica have their history together, but theoretically, Sutton and Lisa also have history together. And like, I don't know how close they were before Sutton joined the show in reality, but like, at least on paper, we're supposed to think that they have been friends for a while. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I think Lisa Rinna looks awful this season. I just like, it's, it's really a tough look for her. And I still don't think, I don't think she really, I don't think it's like clicked for her because maybe, maybe she's in a bubble where it doesn't really matter. But like, I really am so curious, obviously to see the reunion but then, like, looking ahead to next season, it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't, I, Lisa Rinna is one of those people where it's like, I won't believe that they would get rid of her until they do. Like, it's similar with Ramona. It's like, mm-hmm. when everybody's mm-hmm. like, there's no way Ramona's not getting fired after this season. I'm like, we'll see. I'm not counting any. There's a big Right. Way. And I feel <laughs> like Rinna, Rinna saying, is kind yeah, of yeah, in yeah. that category, too, where it's like, I feel like she's like a little bit she's been a little bit untouchable and like I think Mm -hmm. she I mean at this point aside from Kyle like she's the veteran in the cast like I think it would be a tall order for them to get rid of her but also I wouldn't be that mad about it at this point just because I think she's like so I think she's just like a little bit past her point of expiration on Housewives I don't know I mean, I wanted to keep her on the show to see someone bring her back down to earth. And just the reality is she might think that that doesn't matter. I think that Garcelle's doing a pretty good job of it, but there needs to be a little bit. I would uh, not. uh, There needs to be. I would like to see, which might be the same as there needs to be a little bit of a sea change with Rinna because I feel like she's gotten away with so much and just her behavior this season just I don't know why this annoys me so much, but her pretending she was too drunk, drunk to understand what was happening with Erica so stupid. is such a wild and obvious lie. And I just think there needs to be some sort of counter. And I don't know, like a big counter, a big shift. And it's not going to happen this season. And she's just going to go into that reunion fucking cackling, being like, oh, bitches, I told you, and I'm going to support my friend, and now I'm listening, so now I'm going to bring up the stuff that Garcelle said and the fact that I still don't believe what her intention is, and yes, I'm supporting my friend because we will never know, and blah, 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 and it's just going to be the same shit, just at an 11. She's just so entrenched in a place of being so pleased with herself and just thinking she's like the cat's meow and like Mm -hmm. I don't think like anyone who has something negative to say to her is a hater and Mm -hmm. I don't and like she has this idea of that she's she's like I'm a good fucking friend and that's like how she's thinking of this Erica situation and that questioning her would mean she's a bad friend 
But for for some reason in her brain, that doesn't compute with any of her other friendships on this show that it's like, okay, so like you think you like, I'm a good fucking friend, but like she still doesn't get it with Garcelle. I can't imagine Sutton feels like Lisa has been a great friend to her this season. Like everybody else in the cast, it's like, okay, so like you apply this logic of being a good loyal friend so selectively that it's like, I don't ever remember Lisa being like up Erica's ass before this season. I know they were like, friendly but it's like it's just weird and it's not mm-hmm. it's just not cute and like I I don't know yeah she's less a friend and more a consigliere right um, she's like it's, shout out to my Italian heritage right it literally feels like she is like <sighs> it feels like for some reason she has these like blinders on and it's like you look this is you look stupid watching the show it's like you look mm-hmm. like you are so, you know, you've drank so much of the friendship juice that you can't take your head out of the sand and, like, see what's happening in the real world. And, like, Kyle was a little bit like that, too, but it seems like she at least understands kind of the severity of what's happening and the complexity of what's happening and why, you know, maybe she she wants to believe Erica didn't know anything, but I think she at least has an inkling of, like, we don't really know. In the words of Mary Cosby, it's not a juice, it's a choice. And there we go on Lisa Rinna. She's making an active one, and I don't think anyone is expecting anything less than her just continuing <sighs> this dumb fucking bullshit. It's so stupid, and it's so, it's like literally stupid to me. It feels like a moronic, idiotic choice, which, and she's a smart woman, so I know she's actively doing And this. I'm like picturing her at the reunion being like, Andy. I like, uh, like, okay, like, I had to stand by my friend Erica. And when everybody was coming for her, was I just going to leave her alone? No, like, I'm, because I'm a good friend. And it's just like, I don't, I'm so unimpressed by the, like, Laziness. by the, and like the, the, like, charade of loyalty in some of these situations. Mm. It's like, you're on Real Housewives together. Like, if you've been on these shows for more than a couple years, chances are we've seen you make some questionable decisions when it comes to friendship and loyalty and, like, treating people, mm-hmm. you know, the proper way. So it's, like, I just feel like for somebody who has as much, like, Housewives carnage in the past as Lisa Rinna to, like, suddenly <laughs> decide that it's, like, life or death for her to be loyal to Erica Girardi, it's, like... That's not actually like how you are as a person. It's just how you've decided you need to be in this situation. And it doesn't, it, it's like not working, I think, the way that she envisioned it. And Erica, and yet Erica is thrilled. It's like they can be disingenuous buddies forever. Well, That's yeah, I mean, thank God for Erica reset. at least having one, you know, strong ally in the cast. I think. You know, it probably makes it a little more, you know, balanced to watch. But I think whether or not Erica knew that people were going to be so critical of her while the show was airing, she obviously was there during filming and was, you know, sitting through all of these, you know, dinners and stuff where she's getting questioned. And I'm sure she's like, yeah, thank, thank God I have Rena here because nobody else is like, you know, carrying the flag for me as much as I would have hoped. So... 
I don't know. I the reunion I feel like I'm like anxious about, but I'm hoping it's at least very entertaining even if it's not 100% satisfying. Um and I'm 100% going to force you our friendship contract. I'm forcing you to come back to discuss and I hope it's 17 parts long. Okay. I really I want the B-roll, I want the live footage, I want Big Brother, Beverly Hills reunion. I'm assuming it's like literally my one So I dream. think um I think Winter House is on Wednesdays starting like October 20th. So I'm assuming that the Beverly Hills mm. reunion will be wrapping up, you know, around mm. that time. So, God, oh no, things to not look forward to. I don't want to wrap up. But speaking of wrapping <laughs> up, Dylan Hafer. Speaking of wrapping up, been a delightful... uh, speaking of wrapping up, I have to pee. <laughs> literally and figuratively um dylan haver tell the people where to listen to your pods and follow your content online and all of that good stuff yes of course i would be happy to uh you can listen to (laughs) you can listen to me and my co-host barry recap all the bravo shows all the breaking bravo news on Mention It All, we do three episodes a week. Right now, that's Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and then you can listen to my pop culture news show, Pop Alarm. Super short, five-minute little digestible episodes, five days a week. Also, mm. wherever you listen. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram, at Dylan Hafer. And uh, for all the Bravo content, at Bravo by Betches. Too many places, but... <laughs> Oh my Take God, your so pick. many places and all of them, <laughs> all of them are sublime. Guys, patreon.com, the number one way to support uh, yours truly and Andy's girls. You get exclusive bonus episodes. I do Zoom key keys and so much more. Uh, starts at $2 a month for your, lo- oh, my love and sass back to you. $5 a month gets you two episodes. $10 a month gets you four and invites to special events. And you can even do the premium tier and record a Patreon episode with yours truly that'll be me at patreon.com slash andy's girls and follow me on instagram at dame galley i have an exciting announcement that i think is coming out this week so that is actually going to be announced on instagram first so follow me on ig at dame galley for that uh which i think you're gonna enjoy uh and so much more dylan hafer thank you so much for coming back on ag love 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 Love, love, love. You know what? Tell me. Sarah, I loved this. (laughs) Oh, I loved this. It was so fun. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Love this, too. Shout love and light to Lisa Barlow and nobody else. Guys, I hope you are feeling safe and sane getting the vax if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.